Welcome back to the How to Be Human series. No, that is not some sort of plan to become a better person. That is Matt McDonald's new album for his band, The Classic Crime. But this is a podcast doing commentary on each song off the new record, which is called How to Be Human. And uh, this is part two of a three-part series where we discuss tracks five through eight on the record. Yes, and if you're a patron of this podcast, you've likely already heard this because we're posting the series early on our Patreon. And if you're interested in getting early podcasts and bonus content like our Troll Talk podcast, go to patreon.com slash don'tfeedthetrolls and pledge at least a dollar a month to support our podcast and you'll get a bunch of cool stuff, right Nate? Yeah, people have been coming on board. We're getting uh, lots of people want that extra bocon, that extra episode. And uh, this summer we're actually going to be taking a break um, from the podcast, but we're not going to be taking a break from the actual Patreon Troll Talk episodes, right? right? Yeah, Don't Feed the Trolls might take a break while I'm on the road, but we are still going to be chatting and doing Troll Talks. It's an unedited podcast by Nate and I, where we just talk about things that our patrons would like us to talk about. And it's been really cool. People have been engaging on the comments on our Patreon there and giving us reactions to certain things we say, whether they be stupid or smart. So we love the community that we have on Patreon. We love all of our patrons. And if you want to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls. Check it out. Awesome. All right, Matt, let's start on track five of the new record. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Driftwood? Yes, Driftwood is a different song than we've done in a lot of ways, um, you know, compared to our previous records. For one, the rhythm is really uh, static. It's it's a shuffle. It really doesn't change much throughout the song. And a lot of the stuff we've, we've done in the past has been pretty big contrast, um, pretty dynamic. So... We'll kind of be down for the verse with a different rhythm, and then the chorus hits, and it's this completely big, anthemic, different rhythm. And this is a song that keeps the same rhythm all the way through, which is different. So it's this Latin two-step, this kick, kick, snare, where the kicks are on the one, and uh, and, and the and of the two, if you guys know how to count uh, rhythm, <laughs> and the snare on the four. So I felt it was groovy. It was like, do, do, got, do, do, got, do. Dude, that's the yeah, Latin yeah. two-step, right? It's it's in the club music a lot now. But I how was, do you uh, uh, go about like thinking about your older songs versus your newer songs? Do you like your older records more or new records more? How does that work for you? Because I know some bands are they're all over the map. But uh, is this your favorite record? Whatever I'm doing right now is my favorite because this is the culmination of all those experiences. I, I see every record as a stepping stone to the next one, and so we had to do. Vagabonds in 2010 to get us to Phoenix in 2012. I just feel like they're just stepping stones. And so whatever I'm doing right now was, you know, it's a stepping stone that will, will, will be to something greater and different and interesting, you know, my, for my future self to explore and discover. So I'm, I'm really liking this record as far as the rhythms and the grooves and everything. And since I was playing you know with the drums first when i was writing these songs i thought you know let's make it interesting and for driftwood um i introduced a b part to the verse which is kind of like the pre-chorus um by cutting a beat every other bar so it gave it this seven four feel and when you're just playing with drums you're like how do i make this feel uh interesting because i'm not i'm not i'm not thinking about anything else i'm just thinking about only the drum and, and bass parts and kind of the rhythm section and so this song uh, it's funny. It, it it starts out four four, and then it gets this seven four feel, and then it's back to four four, and then 
when I brought Skip in, uh, Classic Crimes drummer, to pre-pro the song, that's pre-production where we go through it and we kind of figure out all the parts and how they yeah, transition. Yeah, you've, you've just you've lost so many people. I already, know, Matt. pre-pro. But, uh, keep going. <laughs> well, that's you know, this is the behind well, the no, scenes. No, like look. seven four four four. I know, I know. So, I, some people start understand. With the <laughs> some people understand. Uh, some people understand it. If you don't, you you know, that's fine. You can learn a little bit. But yeah. um, but then uh, Skip starts playing. Uh, the the bridge on this song and he just kicks into like he's got this muscle memory of a six eight feel which is a waltz it's the three step do that that do that that do so he starts playing that in the bridge and and I was like well that's off you you should be you should be adding uh, a beat or subtracting one but you shouldn't be doing that and then he was like well I kind of like it and I was like okay so now we have three time signatures in this song. <laughs> And it's all rhythm. It's all about the rhythm, which I love. Um, another thing you can do when you're listening to this song as we play it uh, pretty soon here is listen for the RV6. It's the pedal from the introduction to the record that we uh, showed in the first episode. And you can hear it shimmering basically all the way through the song. And it gives this layer, this texture that is kind of creepy um, and kind of gives some space to the song. Uh, lyrically... Nate, this song is for you. This song is oh. for Enneagram Fours. Um, because I'm singing from a perspective of someone who is discovering beauty in a uniquely broken individual. And yeah. uh, the metaphor is driftwood. Like this, like a woodcarver would see a piece of driftwood, something undiscovered or, dis- or discarded or, you know, that, that's been on its own. And and see that thing as a source of inspiration for a new carving. See it for what's in, inside of it. And that's huh. the concept. So you might think your life is driftwood, but beneath it all is beauty and meaning worth being discovered, and that's the whole point of this song. Yeah. That's uh, as a four, Enneagram four, I can relate <laughs> to this. That's, it, al- it almost takes somebody else outside of yourself to kind of say something to you and go, hey, you're good at this, or you're talented here, or you're uh, you're smart and funny, and, and you know what I mean. It's like you, you kind of crave other people seeing the good parts of you, the unique because, parts of you. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you really can't see them yourself because you're kind of you're right. kind of in this negative mindset a lot. Um, um that's interesting. Yeah, we like go that. around we go around judging books by their covers all the time, and I think a more nuanced and and perhaps a more inspired view is to see see beneath the surface that's what i hope people do for our music too don't just you know take a word off the top and say well that's bad or that's stupid to really dig into it and engage with it and and find the beauty that's in it because i do think it there is beauty (laughs) naturally i wouldn't be doing it if i didn't think it was beautiful at its core so totally yeah so without further ado here is driftwood
Driftwood gave you a large boner <laughs> because that's how good that song was. Way to scare everyone off <laughs> with your vulgar language. I've seen the dudes at the classic crime shows just raising their fists in the front row. They just they have a little thing, you know. They get they get this surge of energy from the classic crime. So I'm just carrying out the theme of the Driftwood. All and, right, and, you know. Fair enough. If Driftwood gets you excited. You're going to be real excited about this next song, <laughs> Wonder. I, I just have, I'm just picturing Pinocchio lying. Um, okay. <laughs> well, this, this song, Wonder, is a song that was, um, there's been some controversy over, but I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, this is a song written from a dark place. And I'll be honest, I was at a stop in my personal journey where I thought I'd lost kind of everything. I've lost the belief system of my childhood completely. And I was wondering where I'd been, what I had in this moment, where I was going, and why the magic or the wonder itself had left me completely. Is this the one you did the video for? No. Which one was that one? Which one? The ghost? Ghost? Oh, that was Ghost. Yeah, that was Ghost, yeah. yeah. But you sent me this song. You wanted me to do a lyric video for this one, right? Yeah, yeah. And we've got one coming out for someone else's did did one. But yeah. Awesome. Um... Yeah, which I think is good because I, I want people to read the lyrics and, and really get into that headspace. But the song questions kind of the journey itself. Like maybe this reading and challenging and exploring 
of your preconceptions or presuppositions about how the universe works, maybe it's not a good thing. Like, if it leads me to this terrible feeling of ecclesiastical meaninglessness, then maybe it's the wrong path. Kind of the slippery slope, you know, you've gone a little too far. And so the song's about doubting if you've gone too far or you already have gone too far. Wonder why I've lost my wonder is the first yeah. uh, line of the course, which is kind of just why did this happen? Did I did I screw it up? Yeah, cuz some people, you know, I know your fans kind of give you a lot of crap about where you are theologically, etc. Sure. sure. And I don't think I don't think people get that you kind of if you're still in the arena of of spirituality, right? Then, then you haven't completely abandoned ship by any means, right? But well, nobody in the arena is standing in the same place, right? right? Yeah, that's true. Everybody has their own kind of biases and and belief systems. If you're a spiritual person at all, you kind of have an idea or a model that works for you in how you see life and existence and consciousness. Yeah, and, and as uh, an artist, you're going to want to get as close to the windows in that arena. Sure. And try to look out. Yeah, well, that that's true. But I would say this song is more just, I needed this as therapy to get through this terrible feeling that, yeah. that I was on the outside. And there is no tied in a bow answer in this song, which I think is a first for me. Um, because I, I normally, you know, if I have a, a song about doubt, which I've written a lot of songs about doubt... I try to tie it up in a bow in the bridge, you know? Like, I try to bring it back to, like, well, there's still hope. But this song has no hope. <laughs> so Interesting. Uh, I just really linger in the doubt because that's what I was feeling. I, I wasn't trying to, to tie it up for anybody. I was trying to let it be without the insecure need to fix it for myself or anyone else. So, And, and speaking of that, do you feel like people's re perceptions of songs plays into that insecurity and kind of gets you to write or change lyrics or anything like that? Yeah, I think there is a bit of a pressure to leave people with some level of hope. And I think a lot of that is necessary and good. I ultimately want um, music to inspire hope. But um, sometimes I think we jump to it too quickly. I think we just try to say, all right, well, but what, what's the positive here? As opposed to, you know, if you're with someone who's grieving, you don't say, well, you know, Aunt Mary is, is in heaven now. You, that's like the wrong thing to say. The thing to say is, I'm so sorry. What can I do to help? And cry with them, you know, and grieve with them. Or as we learned in the grieving episode in Lars and the Real Girl, you just sit. You just, just sit. sit. Exactly. And that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm sitting in the doubt on this song, and I'm I'm happy to do that because I think yeah. some people are are in the same place and... This is not cheapening that experience by trying to wrap it all up in some some nice package. So what's the controversy that's kind of coming out of this song you were talking about? Yeah, there's mixed reviews of people who've heard the song because some people say it wrecked them, like in a really good way. The brutal honesty kind of spoke to them as in their journey, is where they're at, and, and gave words and, and feelings and helped them process emotions in, in a good way. And then others are kind of deeply concerned about the language, understandably, because I've never used language that you can find in the song like this before. Um, it's a, it's, I say the F word, by the way, Nate. Ooh, I hope you're not serious. Yeah, I know. If people listen to this podcast, they know that um, I do uh, have a full command of the entire English language and, and sure. no words are really off limits. Um, generally don't like cursing people, but uh, some things 
I believe are terrible, and there's certain terrible language well, to describe Well, I think it's context, things. you know, like uh, in the last episode we did on the podcast, or a couple episodes ago, I think I used the F word because I had friends going to like five or six Christmas parties, and I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, what the F is the point? I, <laughs> sure. I'm trying to express that like, I'm really frustrated right. that people don't care about the small hang they just want as many people in their life as possible and right and yeah and i needed that word to, to really express and your in frustration song, yeah yeah but if it's just every other words f-bomb f this like I, yeah you know you turn your you have daughters and you turn on the hip-hop station right and it's just f this f that sure. you're gonna go eh, turn off you well, know i I, mean? right, I, right? I would agree that that's lazy too um and okay. and, that, and that that's one of that's one of the concerns that's one of the critiques was that a concerned backer on Facebook said, you know, he loved the album but felt the use of the F word was lazy and that he was saddened by not being able to play it for his kids. So I I felt that, you know, I was like, I oh, know I understand that. So I I, I wrote him a response on Facebook for other people who, who who might want to read it. And you know, this is a complex and layered question. It's a complex and layered concern. It really de- I have to know where each person is coming from to really address what their personal concerns are but sure. just to keep it simple i'll just read this response uh to that concern i said thanks for your comment and for appreciating the album as a whole you are absolutely entitled to your own definition of acceptable language when it comes to expressing existential despair like i do in this song i also reserve the right to use the words that define a personal feeling best topically i wouldn't recommend this song and various others for school-age kids so perhaps it's best, and I also have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a six-month-old who I will not be playing the song for. But I apologize if not being safe for the whole family, in quotes, leaves a bad taste. I assure you, it wasn't lazy. It was risky, though. And I almost re- retroactively yeah, yeah, yeah. censored it uh, because I felt, uh, you know, maybe some people will be offended. But I felt a massive lack of sincerity about option B and C which I had in my head. So I went with A because that was what my gut expressed in the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm at a place in my life, um, I don't know if this is just Nate because we're dads and we don't care anymore (laughs) what people think about us, but I'm at a a place in my life where A works best for that emotion and I have a conviction about sincerity despite what other people think. So I need to be true to myself first and I don't expect others to agree, nor do I wish to force them to. And I just say my best to your family. And that's kind of my general response is you, you don't have to agree with me. And I hope you don't burn the CD because of that one word. But, you know, if you can't hang, yeah. then that's totally OK. Well, as a as a vocalist myself, I can assure you, everyone, anyone listening to this, that in the process of singing songs, whether it's uh, and you have a producer and a budget, the producer is going to go line by line. I've been in multiple recording sessions where we are at the last minute debating lyrics because we're scrutinizing the song that much and we'll change it and we'll tinker it to say the to say that you were lazy about it is completely um just coming from a place that that person just doesn't understand they've never been in the studio they've never recorded a song at the level that you and i are used to recording songs where sure you spend you know hours and hours pouring over this and then hours and hours pouring over it again, and then in the studio with someone else's opinion, and even band members chiming in too, going, you know, I don't like that lyric. And you're like, really? I had band members who who 
who loved that expression and band members who were very afraid yeah. that this was a this was a bad move for our career or whatever. But it's not lazy. No, 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 no. It's very deliberate and I would say it was brave because we were very it was it was kind of fearful and we've never done anything like that before and we understand we have a lot of very conservative Christian fans and yeah. so this was going to kind of set us outside of the bounds of what they deemed reasonable or appropriate and ultimately I think People in general have seen us as a safe yeah. band. We were on Tooth & Nail Records for years, and so there's a, a sense of, of safety with kind of the, the Christian music industry, even though we would never claim to be a Christian band. We kind of played to that a little bit because we're like, okay, this is the fans we have, and what, what do they sure. want? And I think the older I get, the more I'm like, what do... What do I need to express for myself? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think sometimes our songs have challenged ideologies and power structures and kind of the hypocrisy of religious structures, but from within the confines of a vernacular that was deemed acceptable by those ideologies and power structures themselves. And so this song is about feeling so completely on the outside of those ideologies and so foreign to them that the language I felt needed to express that. And so this song is about feeling on the outside, just being completely excluded from this system of belief. And so using inside language didn't express that feeling properly to me. And ultimately that's why I chose option A. So awesome. Let's uh, let's check it out. This song's called Wonder. Wonder what I've got under doubt more than not wonder why I can't amend my constitution wonder who I am becoming a bad person wonder if I can find a good Solution. Oh, oh, have I fucked up my head with all the books that I read? Was I too hungry for the truth to find you? Wonder why I've lost my wonder. Why the ship is going under Wonder why the wonder died in me
I've been barely alive And I can't live another minute If I'm in it just to live a lie wonder how people felt about that one huh <laughs> man <laughs> it's gonna Bad be jokes. yeah it's gonna be very split yeah it's gonna be very split i think but a, a lot of people initially we've sent our we've sent the record out to our kickstarter backers they get it very early because they back us very early and um a lot of people are coming back saying that's their favorite song so that's cool yeah i liked it i remember you sent it to me and i was like this is cool I'm going to try to think of some lyric video ideas. And I just realized that Adobe has a bunch of stock footage that I could have tapped into. I didn't even realize they had that. But uh, anyways. Um, it... Well, I'll still employ you to make <laughs> lyric videos for my okay. band. Don't worry. There's plenty of songs on this record. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> I, uh, I love it. Yeah, speaking of, of songs on this record, this next song is called Spare Time. Track 7. It's about you on Facebook, right? <laughs> Way too much spare time, right? <laughs> Starting fights. <laughs> now, I just mentioned the other day that I didn't, uh, I've been too busy to start <laughs> I know, yeah, uh, I massive know, I know. debates on Facebook. And so that's why I've been kind of quiet. But it's my job to get us off topic. So there you know. Yeah, boredom's a killer for me. But this song is, um, it's an old song. Uh, it was a demo in 2009. How dare that you? Yeah, I know that I brought back because hey, we did the I same thing the on verses. our record. The first opening track actually is well, no, no, no. Yeah, that song uh, back home on our record was a 2009 demo too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that's what happens a lot. Is I'll write a song and it'll kind of go nowhere, and then I'll come back to it and take the verse or take the chorus or take aspects of it, and I'll have be re inspired to finish it. And so, um, but ultimately, I didn't. Uh, use it because I felt like the verse was too much like Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. Um, just the melody, just the chords and the melody and everything. Yeah. But I moved some things around, so now it doesn't sound so plagiarized, even though people have said it does have similarities <laughs> still. But uh, the song really didn't come together until the studio. And we, we did pre-pro and everything here yeah. in my studio, and then we flew to Orlando, and we only had like basic ideas for rhythm, and the lyrics weren't even finished. So I don't think we've ever intro to song like the way we did this one either like we started with this idea of just me playing with weird string patches in the studio at the beginning yeah. of the demo just trying to make this kind of droning setting setting the tone um and adding some real string sounds to it um mm. and so it, it was like this huge just part before the the song started and we just kept it all in because i was like that's kind of a nice break in the record in the track listing you know track seven you get a little 
a, a little droning string section to kind of breathe. Yeah, but you don't know what we're talking about because you just listen to songs on Spotify and you bounce around. Because <laughs> that's your generation, <laughs> you punks. Our fans are still album. No, I know there's always I, those that will listen to an album, but you know what I'm saying. You know, everyone who makes records, and especially certain band members in bands, are the like I'm a big picture person, so I tend to kind of I, yeah. I I hate fights about the details because I'm just like I don't care, like just yeah. whatever. You know, but you need that guy yeah. in the band who's like scrutinizing every little thing. And I, I right. can tell you some yeah. stories, my friends, but <laughs> Matt, you kind of seem like you share a little bit of that. Like you, you can micro nitpick. Yeah. Well, that's funny, man. Like you say that I've always been obsessed with the um, connection between the microscopic and the macroscopic or the telescopic, uh, you know, and this, this record is really about that. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, the the album art was done by this artist Renee Robbins who it's a, a 20 by 20 canvas painting called you can pick it up on radar in her bio it says exploring the relationship between the microscopic and the telescopic and it's this you know huh. galaxies look like brain cells you know the micro looks like the macro anyways that's a that's a whole other uh, story yeah, but yes I, is, I, I can I can get really microscopic with with the engineering and with the lyrics and everything but at the same time I do like to step back and go okay it, fresh ears if I'm coming at this from the outside what's the track listing gonna hmm. be how is this gonna play from a big you know big perspective and I think jumping between those two things is is hard to do yeah. but I think it's a necessary skill for yeah sure. I mean you have to really be the visionary of your project. If you can't really lose focus and lose sight of that, and you kind of have to continue to bring it back. And sure, you have to look at it from all different angles. For yeah, sure. I mean, I think that's the hardest thing is like a cohesive album. You know, there's always people that go, "Oh man, I love five or six songs on the record or whatever." But then right. there's records you listen to and you're like, "Dang, I, I love the ride that it took me on." And and right. people who make those albums, and not necessarily just concept records, but like who can make a record kind of take you up and down the valleys even if the songs the sonic flow yeah even yeah. if the lyrics have nothing to do with the previous song um right i just think the the feeling and the emotion and that's where the track listing comes in and the debates and and that's where the macro comes in too because you're just like look you know i'm here when i listen to track three and then all of a sudden i'm somewhere else with track four that doesn't work right yeah you got to carry the storyline and those are the fights that i would pick i would yeah. be like look track four sucks you know like we it doesn't work right here. It works somewhere else, and then and then there, then the right. debate would begin. Such a subjective versus thing, Dan too. and Joe arguing over percussion in the yeah. you know the pre-chorus of where does the tambourine? I'm like I don't go? even think I can hear any of the tambourine. <laughs> like I can't even hear it. I'm listening to it. Yeah. I don't even hear it. No, no, no. You're doing yeah. it too. You're doing it wrong. And I'm just like so they would get no spice. You feel it, man. You feel it. <laughs> and that's the micro. So yeah, there's yeah, totally different strokes for different folks. But um, absolutely, you need all types. So spare time is about uh, rejecting the legalistic rigidity that stifles your soul. Yes, and stepping out into the great unknown. So because ultimately we're all living on borrowed time, right? There's no time to waste. There's no time like the present. So the idea is that spare time is an illusion. Don't waste your life now. Don't get hung up on these micro details. This is like all I would write we've, records about. You know what I mean? We've <laughs> got to get moving. So, yes, let's hear it. This song is called Spare Time.
clutch the cross around your neck and hope to God there's still time left. You turn back down the path to find your way. But in the dusty summer breeze of this ghost town, you hear the sea. It's salted, crushing melody still haunts you to this day. And it says, well.
right. I like it. Did you ever think that you would not write songs about girls anymore? Is that, is that <laughs> I never really mentally? did write songs about girls, to be honest. But I wrote you some... always kind of did because we all kind of did. Well, right? I wrote I, I wrote some songs about my wife, but I I've never but then been. You've... A... You haven't really been heartbroken, have you? I've never. Oh, I was. Um, but all those. Uh, I married my wife very young, so all those songs happened before the classic crime. But you haven't experienced anything. that like emo heartbreak. Oh yeah, man. I had my heart broken when I was like fifteen, sixteen. My my wife and I broke up for eight months before we got back together, and I was twenty, twenty one, and that was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, that's, but that was that's, before. That's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I wrote a bunch of songs then about that, but I, I, I've written some love songs. There are they're always sort of tongue-in-cheek um sarcastic uh because yeah. i'm kind of protecting that side but um no i've never really been all about all about love songs or romantic songs i've kind of t- tackled bigger what i find to be more interesting challenging issues and yeah. you know i do i do have some of those songs so I, I mean i gotta i gotta throw a bone to the wife once in a while yeah no totally you gotta <laughs> you know you gotta make her th- realize you're still i always wonder that about artists who write these you know, super heartbreaking songs and they're married or whatever. I'm always yeah. like, where does that come from? And I Probably think like Dave Bazan. <laughs> yeah, Dave Bazan or, right. uh, you know, I guess Ben Gibbard's always... Yeah. I mean, I guess every country artist is always writing depressing right. songs. And their lives are so cush. Yeah, for well, most of them. I don't know. I mean, some of them probably have some drama we don't know about, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But anyway, this uh, next song is called Shades of Green and it's about the recent bill passed in Washington. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Many different shades of green are now legal <laughs> in Washington. Um, well, Sorry, I'm no, making this bad is, jokes. This is the final tra- uh, track on this uh, part two of How to Be Human series. This is the final track we're going to talk about. This one's called Shades of Green, and this song is kind of about metaphorically going out. It's, it's after spare time. Like, there's no time. Like the present, let us go out into the wilderness. Oh, leave, your Bigfoot song. Leave the comfort of home behind, and in search of new shades of the deeper truth or shades of green in the sense. I think I got, I read somewhere that the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color. And there's huh. like various reasons connected to the perception and, and our human development. And they say, you know, humans are jungle apes. And therefore, if you're going to see predators in the jungle, you need to delineate between all the different shades of green that are present in the jungle. And so you, and so obviously the jungle is very green, right? You go to the Amazon, it's all these Mm. different shades of green. So they say that is one of the, you know, developmental reasons why we can see more shades of green than any other color. But the idea that there are so many ways to see green, which often represents to us the color of life itself, right? Green is life due to photosynthesis, um, which is what makes plants green. That there were so many ways to see this green just kind of struck me as a metaphor. So as I set out kind of in this period of life to discover new ways of looking at the world, I thought about new shades of green to um, to pursue. And that's kind of what the, the song's about. Chlorophyll. Chlorophyll, bro. More like borophyll. Chlorophyll. <laughs> so just Remember? think about chlorophyll while you listen to this song. That uh, was an older movie. Yeah, Billy Madison for all you young kids listening to this podcast. Back in the day, Adam Sandler made funny movies, and that was one of his favorite <laughs> funny lines. But yeah, no, I hey, you know, as a kid who was good at science, um, you had me um, captivated with this description: <laughs> shades of green. Shades. Of You're. Green. Uh, I actually believe in Bigfoot coming out song. 
<laughs> deep into the wilderness to find the deeper truth, kids. Yeah. Matt is coming around. Bigfoot <laughs> is there. <laughs> find the super predator in the jungle. Yeah. In the forest. Because uh, they actually say that, um, and this is funny to put in this podcast, but uh, Bigfoot can have green eyes. Did you well, there that? you go. That's why he's that's why he's cloaked and hidden. You never really bioluminescent eyes. He's camouflage. People say they see him. So yeah, if you see green eyes in the woods, put on this song and run like hell. <laughs> All right. This is it. Until next week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, of course go to our patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls to check out some of these songs before anyone else hears them. This is Shades of Green from How to Be Human. Of God, fluent this year, stopped going to the church.